Every year around mid-August, I began to work on a ritual that I was taught as a kid. In fact, most people in my family follow this practice. And once I describe it, I'm sure you'll likely have some familiarity with the practice or you might even partake in it too. Anywho, every year I begin preparing for winter. Typically in August, but this year I started a little later and started in September. I start stocking up on canned food items, buying meat on sale and freezing it. And by the way, I buy good meat, so like organic and grass-fed, that kind of thing. Packages of rice, dried beans, and more. I buy shelf-stabled milks, freeze lime juice and lemon juice into ice cubes so that I don't get scurvy halfway through the winter. I buy toilet paper, toothpaste, soap, and whatever else it is I feel like I might need to have on hand as summer changes into fall and then makes its way into winter. By the way, it's already started snowing in the mountains of Colorado, so there's also that. Now, I don't want you to hear this and imagine that I'm buried underneath six feet of snow for the entire winter, and that's why I prepare in this way. That's not the case at all. I prepare in this way because winter is always coming and there's nothing worse than being caught off guard when a winter storm or worldwide pandemic hits and you've run out of toilet paper. Why am I bringing up how I prepare for winter? Because there's a certain hysteria about recessions in the personal finance space that I've really noticed, especially this year. I think that as content creators, we provide so much insight and support to people about preparing for recessions and downturns. And we're we're kind of like sometimes the front line in financial preparedness. And sometimes I feel like this, this hysteria makes how we think about recessions worse. It makes the situation worse. So today I'm going to also talk about what we all can do to prepare for the next recession because they always happen. Michelle is Money Hungry. I'm your host, Michelle Jackson, and I focus on holding financial conversations that lead into social equity, policy, and access with a splash of pop culture. My goal is to lead these conversations with empathy and help my listeners and myself learn more about money along the way. I'm gearing up for my next season of content focused on the unexpected financial turning points in American women's financial lives. I'm still looking for brand partners to bring this project to life. If you're interested in partnering with me, feel free to reach out via my email, michelleismoneyhungry at gmail.com, or you can DM me if you follow me on Twitter. I'm very active there, so definitely check it out. If you would like to be a guest, just pay attention to my social feeds for more information. I'll be posting information, especially on Twitter, about what to expect. So the Game of Thrones made the following phrase popular in pop culture. Winter is coming. In my view, we have to think of recessions in the same way. Economic downturns always happen, and the older you get, the more you will live through. 
I'm bringing up this topic because I've just noticed something really strange in the personal finance content creator space and in the chatter in that space. I've noticed that there are a large number of content creators who talk about recessions as if they will never happen again. And I'm going to be honest, I think that it's so strange. I don't understand why people who create content in the money space frame recessions from a viewpoint like they will never happen again. Recessions will always happen. In my way of thinking, all of the ongoing financial actions that we're taking on a daily basis, such as paying off debt, focusing on earning more, investing, using overtime earnings to invest, and just most importantly, managing our emotions are the equivalent of my winter preparation mode that I mentioned at the top of the show. So I thought I would expand on what it has been like to live through more than one recession as a grown adult, especially when I was completely broke and in debt with numerous financial obligations and the lessons that I learned the hard way so that you don't have to. So lesson number one, lower your expenses or just have fewer. If there's one thing that will immediately move the needle, especially prior to and during a recession, it's having a lower financial footprint, like a lower carbon footprint. One of the areas that I focused on when paying off over $60,000 in unsecured random ass debt was just simplifying my expenses. I just had so many line items in my budget. I had so many things to organize and keep track of and focus on. It was just too much. And even with a digital budgeting tool, there's a point when having too many line items in your budget, especially if those line items are tilted towards debt repayments, there's just a point where it's just too much financially going on. Currently, my budget has fewer than 25 line items and the simplicity of my budget is glorious. I am so happy. This also includes my business expenses. I don't have a lot of expenses throughout the year. There are uh, moments where there are outliers where it's a little more than usual, but I've kept things really simple. And I want to share just what having fewer expenses looks like. So I have housing, of course, I live in an awkward property. So there are carrying costs like the $1,000 I had to pay a few weeks ago because of pipe burst. And I actually talked about why we need to stop telling people to buy homes. Not everyone needs to be owning one. I will include a link in the show notes to that episode. But basically, in my case, overall, my home, like my housing carrying costs are basically pretty low. My phone. I use Mint Mobile. I don't talk on the phone that often because usually I see the people that I want to talk to in person connect via Zoom or social media. Like I don't need a crazy expensive phone service. I just need one, need one that's solid. So I pay $100 every three months via Mint Mobile. So that's about 35 bucks a month. Super happy with it. I don't need more. I'm good. Food. Food in home, like basically like my groceries, things like that. I think I spend around $300 a month on groceries, which includes my bougie overpriced coffees. I eat organic, but I don't eat outside of the home that often. When I do, I like to splash out. So because I don't eat out often, 
that also keeps my food budget lower. But when I do eat out, I'll do it like twice a month, maybe four at the most. Like I just don't eat out of the house that often. Typically, I'll optimize a happy hour to do this. So I get the same experience, but I'm paying a lower price and I'm just going earlier in the day. No big whoop. Transportation expenses. So I don't own a car. This is not for everyone. But I, what I do is I use a car share. I am a board member of the car share program that I use. I love it so much. It's a nonprofit here in the state. And if I lived in a two car family, I would probably get rid of one of the cars and supplement my car usage with the car share. But it's just me. And I primarily use the car share for like running errands when I want to buy a lot of stuff, or maybe I want to go to a different part of town and I don't want to use uh, transit to get to that part of town. I also use the car share for road trips. So I really enjoy doing road trips in my part of the United States. And so it's really convenient for me to just use the car share to do that. So in case you're wondering, I pay around $13 a month for my car share subscription. Plus I pay for car usage and gas. So there are months when I literally don't use a car because I just don't need to. Then there are other months where maybe I'll use the car four times in the month, maybe five hours each time. So I'll give you an example of what this looks like. If I use the car for five hours, maybe it's $25 plus the cost of gas. So that's kind of what that looks like. Some months in the summer can be a little more pricey because I, I'll do a road trip. This year I didn't, which actually is weird. But normally I'm not using the car that often and I live by several light rail stops. So I don't really need to use the car that much. The average American spends around $9,000 a year in car related expenses. That's, you know, maintenance, gas, car payment, tune-ups, things like that, insurance. I spend probably $700 a year on transportation costs. So that's a huge amount of savings for me. Lesson number two, earn more money. Real talk, there's just a point where you have to earn more money. I really, really wish that we were more candid around this. You're earning more to balance out inflation, which is a constant. Remember, houses used to cost $4,000 in most major metropolitan cities when your great-grandparents were around. So if you're a millennial in particular, your great-grandparents were probably buying $4,000 houses. What does this look like, earning more? You could change your job and build in a significant raise during that process. So you'll hear a lot of people talking about going into tech. Again, if we're getting closer to a recession, you do have to exercise some caution when changing a job because they often say last hired, first fired, especially depending on the industry that you're in. If you're in education during recession, you're probably going to be fine because people flock to, to uh, education to get better credentials, things like that. But you, you have to assess that risk for yourself. And I'm saying that I am not owning that for you. <laughs> side hustle. Those side jobs can generate transformative income that can be allocated towards saving more, paying off debt. In my case, I used my side hustle money to pay off debt and that made a big difference in my life. You could start a business. This one is hard to do 
because it can be time consuming and it can take a while before entrepreneurship really makes sense financially. But for entrepreneurs who are able to start a business that scales over time and that really makes them money, there could be potentially a lot of upside. I've never found a downside to earning more other than if other people find out and want to borrow money from you out of the blue. Also, side note, having diversified income is always, always, always a great idea. There's a reason why people love the income that comes in from their side hustles, short-term rentals, or dividends. They love it because they don't have all their financial eggs in one basket. Lesson number three, it's never too late to start preparing for a recession. But If you have to make a lot of financial moves during a recession, it's a hell of a lot more stressful. It's so much easier to approach economic downturns as inevitability versus a surprise. There's no surprise that downturns will happen. They always happen. Hear me again. Downturns always happen. So it could be that instead of a national recession, it could be a recession that hits certain states more than others. It could be that it's national and that some states just don't have a a negative impact. It it just depends, right? But I'm going to say this so you understand, there will always be recessions. And right now, I've heard a lot of chatter around the idea that we're likely to experience a recession sometime soon. If you're noticing the same chatter, then now would be the time, the best time to start making your financial moves so that you're not caught off guard and that you're already well into financial prep mode. Track your expenses. What do you notice? Are you spending too much on unnecessary items? Make those adjustments now so that you're not stressed out later. Are you using your credit card too much in order to pay for predictable monthly expenses, then maybe that's a clue that you probably need to be earning more. Are you complaining that groceries are too expensive? Real talk, groceries have gotten a little expensive. Maybe now it's time to start using savings apps like Ibotta. I'm an affiliate. I've included an affiliate link in my show notes. I'm a huge fan of Ibotta and it's a savings app specifically a grocery savings app developed here in Denver, and it helps me save money on my groceries. I also earn money back using Ibotta. But I'm going to be honest, like most people, I use it more when I notice that prices are higher. So I'm starting to use the app more. And what I have also noticed, this is my own unscientific viewpoint. The more you use the app, the better the savings deals are. Like they're they're adjusted for your interest because you're typically you're taking a picture of your receipts. And so I think the algorithm shows you better deals over time because it gets a better idea of what you're spending on groceries. Right now is the right time to do a skills assessment update your resume and do some research on the industry that you're currently in and see what the likelihood is that it may be positively or negatively impacted during an economic downturn. Research other industries that that you can use your skills in, but 
pay more. So look into all that right now. Don't wait. Always have references ready and prepped so that you can you can apply for jobs and opportunities quickly. Now, if you're an entrepreneur, it could be that there are opportunities that come up for grants and things like that. It's the same thing. Always be ready. Lesson number four, know your options. I know that if the shit hits the fan and everything goes wrong for me, I could live with my mom, my grandma, etc. Mom wouldn't charge me rent either. And grandma would charge very little rent. She would charge. <laughs> would we drive each other crazy? Hell yes, we would. Would that be a huge financial blessing for me? Also, yes. Could I live with my grandma in the cute apartment in her basement? Yes. She would give me that opportunity. Would it be ideal? No, because she'd be all up in my business, but it is still an option for me. Could I sell my property? Yes. And in my case, currently, there is a significant amount of equity in my home. So if I sold it, I would have a ton of cash on hand. Would it be ideal? Well, it depends on the bigger picture. It depends. I'm not sure yet. Right now, no. But in the future, maybe yes. I have to think about it. Sit down and figure out what your options are before having to make any big decisions about your life. You don't want to figure any of this stuff out under duress. Finally, lesson number five, manage your mindset. If you're unable to manage your mindset around your money, you're going to be a hot mess all the time. How do I know? Because I was that person. Do I get my finances right all the time? No, it's a solid no. I do not get it right all the time. Have I finally learned to manage, at least manage my mindset when it comes to my money? Yes. And it's been a very hard process. But because I'm constantly working on my money, I'm not caught off guard in the way that I used to be when things would come up. I'm always in prep mode and that helps to keep me empowered with my money managing my fears, constantly focusing on learning about money and having healthy conversations with myself and the people around me in my life about money has helped to change my financial trajectory. Remember that personal finance is the ongoing practice is, is an ongoing practice. It's like planting seeds and you you have to nurture those seeds for financial good times while at the same time preparing for financial bad times, like for hardships. You're doing both at the same time. What do you think emergency funds, coupons, investing for retirement, insurance, and sinking funds are for? That's the whole point. You, that's preparing for both good and bad at the same time. Recessions will always happen, but they shouldn't catch you off guard. I recorded this episode with the hope to reframe the way that you're thinking about them. Always be in prep mode. I'll never forget when COVID hit and people were running out in those nasty COVID streets trying to get toilet paper. Not for me, fam. I stay ready. What about you? Okay.